0: But today I want to share with you out of Matthew chapter 2. I hope you guys are in a good mood today. It's kind of hard to be in a bad mood at Christmas time. I want to read you the story of, uh, out of Matthew chapter 2 of the wise men coming to meet Jesus, the King. And if you don't have a Bible, you can just follow along on the screen. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem village in the territory of Judah, this says, when King Herod was the king, it says, a band of scholars arrived in Jerusalem from the east. And they asked around, where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? For we've been seeing the star in the eastern sky. And we know that star signals the birth. Listen to this, for we are on a pilgrimage to worship him. And when the word of their inquiry got to King Herod, he was terrified, and not just Herod alone, but all of Jerusalem. He lost no time. He gathered the high priests, the religious scholars, and they asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they told him Bethlehem and Judah. Prophet Micah wrote it. You Surely you've read this. He wrote it so plainly and clearly. He said, it's you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah. You're no longer going to bring up the rear you. From where you are will come the leader. I say the leader. A shepherd who will rule my people, the people of Israel, Herod then arranged a secret meeting with the scholars from the east, pretended to be as devout as they were, and he got them to tell exactly where this birth announcement star appeared. And then then they told him the prophecy about Bethlehem. He said, go find this child, leave no stone unturned. As soon as you find him, send word back to me because I want to go with you to worship him at once. Instructed by the king, they set off, and the star appeared again, the same star that they had seen two years earlier in the eastern sky. It led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. They could hardly contain themselves. Listen to this. They were in the right place. They had arrived at the right time. They must be from IFC. They entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother, and they were overcome. They knelt and they began to worship him. Then they opened up their luggage and presented gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh. Later, they had a dream and they were warned not to go back to Herod. So they worked out another route and they left the territory without being seen. And they returned to their own country. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your word bringing information, but impartation today. Lord, I thank you as we study the story and we, we look at these wise men who came to Pay the respects to the new king, Lord, that we would have a greater understanding of what you've called us to do in this season. Lord, I ask you to speak to our hearts about adjustments we need to make around our thoughts and ideas and traditions when it comes to Christmas. Lord, help us today to remember it's all about Jesus. We're grateful for the other stuff, but we gather together as Christians to celebrate the newborn king, our Savior, your son that you gave on our behalf. Lord, I ask you to give us ears to hear what you want to say to us. Give us hearts to receive your word. Give me boldness to declare it as you placed it in my heart. In Jesus' name. I love this phrase, and I've had this phrase in my heart for several years. I read the story at Christmas, as many of you will, many of you will with your family. In this phrase, it says they were on a pilgrimage. Everybody say pilgrimage. I've been thinking about pilgrimages and journeys. You know, the truth is, is every one of us are on a journey. Every one of us are on some sort of pilgrimage. As as long as we live and breathe, we are moving from one season to another, from one assignment to the next. In a pilgrimage or a journey in search of something. I was thinking about moving to New England seven years ago and I I didn't really know anything about the Appalachian Trail until I moved here and I was up in North Conway and I met some guys and they said, oh, we're here. We're here on a journey. I said, what kind of journey? Well, we're, we're hiking. Well, where are you hiking from? We hiked from Georgia. I said, you hiked from Georgia to New Hampshire? And they said, yeah, and we're on our way up to Canada. That is a journey. That's a grueling pilgrimage. I think about people that, 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 that have these, these journeys in life that, that look different than us because they don't know the journey we're on. Journeys look so different for everybody. People are in search of something. Some people are in search of someone. Some people are in search of meaning or purpose. I was thinking about this when I think about journeys, you know, I meet a lot of driven people, and those driven people, man, they're on a pilgrimage to make more money. Like they never succeed until they succeed and succeed again. And they live their life to, to just gain more stuff. It's a pilgrimage. It's a journey for them. Single people, any single folks in the house? It's okay to be single at IFC. Raise your hands. You might find a date here. If you're a single guy here, just so you know, we got more single girls than any other church here. God might have your soulmate here. You don't know, but a lot of people come to church in search of... They want to find their soulmate. They're on a journey. Don't laugh. You were there. You were single at one time. I think about college students, man. They're on a pilgrimage for four years, six years, and some. Other, what are they searching for? They're searching for the diploma, and it's a journey to get that thing, and you should be proud of that thing only to know that your journey starts over because once you have that diploma, now you're on a pilgrimage to find the right job and the right career, Every one of us have different journeys and different seasons of life. I think about people that I've met throughout my travels who were confused about their meaning. And they were searching eastern religions and I would run into them in South America with a backpack and I'd be like, "Hey, you're American." They'd be like, "No, we're European." I'm like, okay, you're white. That's all I meant was, (laughs) you look like somebody else I know. What are you doing here in South America? And so we're here on a journey. We're here looking for inner peace. I remember getting on a plane from South America one time. I was leaving uh, Peru. I was flying out of Lima and I got on a plane and everybody around me, their skin was blue. I thought, Smurfs really do exist except they weren't short. They looked just like you. And these people around me in my section, their skin was blue and I, I was intrigued and freaked out at the same time. And I don't have any problem approaching strangers and asking silly questions. So I just said, what are y'all doing? Why is your skin blue? And they, they begin to tell me, well, we went on a spirit journey. We've been in the Amazon rainforest working with a, a shaman and we've been taking Hiawatha and we've been doing all this stuff and the, the stuff that we've been taking to find our spirit guide that stained our skin blue. Thank God we don't have to go to South America with a shaman. How lost do you have to be to pay thousands of dollars to go do drugs in the jungle, to find a spirit guide who only opens you up to a greater distraction? everybody's on a journey in search of something. Every one of us are on a pilgrimage. And the truth is, is for society, most people, they will pilgrimage their whole life searching for purpose only to never find it because they never met Jesus. For you and I, I just want to declare this over you, your life is different than those that don't know Jesus. Your journey should look different, smell different, taste different. You should react different to it because we know where we're headed through Christ Jesus. We know that we found our purpose and our destiny in him and thus we know our journey secure. Thus, we know our journey is safe. We know that there's hope at the end of our journey. For most people, they travel through this life with no hope, only to die and spend eternity in hell. That's not your story. That's not my story. Our journey should look much different because it should look like these men's journey. What is it? They weren't looking for something. They were looking for someone. So what about our life? What does the Bible say about our journey? What does it say about our pilgrimage? I love Matthew 6:33. It says, but seek ye first. Everybody say first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Who is his? He's talking about Jesus, the righteousness, the right standing that we find in him so our journey is to seek first the kingdom in him and his righteousness and then guess what all the other things you were concerned about all those other things they will be added unto you <laughs> let me remind you if you're a believer today that your journey is onefold it has one purpose and that is to seek him And his righteousness. It is to seek the kingdom first. And guess what? In the kingdom are all those answers and all those provisions and all those concerns and all those things that we think we need. I'm excited about the journey that I'm on And I'm excited about the journey that we're on as a church because we're kingdom first people. We're word first people. We put God's word first and hey, we're seeking you first. And as we take steps of faith, we're asking you, Holy Spirit, to lead us and guide us. That's the journey of a spirit-filled believer. Will we make missteps? Of course. When we trip and fall, we live in a fallen world. There will be trouble, but here's the thing. Our steps are ordered of him, and as long as we stay with him, guess what? Our future is bright. Our journey is very similar to the wise men. We should be searching the king. I was doing some research on that that phrase, uh, seek ye first, and I like this The New American Standard has a Greek lexicon, and they define that word, seek first, that phrase. It means by seeking in order to find. To aim at or strive after, it also means to look for, to go after, or to search for. When he says, seek ye first, he's talking about something hidden for you, not from you. Seeking him on purpose. As many of you know, we have three little kids Anybody else have kids? And, and our little kids uh, are eight, four, and two. Yeah, I got that wrong last week and my wife corrected me. We were, in, we were in Orlando speaking last week and I got up and talked about our kids and she elbowed me after. She said, they're not eight, four, and three. He's two. I said, he's little. It doesn't matter right now. I was at, I was at CVS a few weeks ago because Cash had some, some stuff going on so I had to go to the pharmacy to pick up a subscription and I drove through the, I don't like going in places anymore. Has anybody gotten used to like the COVID protocols where now you get to do things in your car? Like I don't have to go to Target anymore. And all the men said, you know what happens when you go to Target with your wife? You spend a lot of money you weren't planning on spending. She's in there buying Joanna Gaines cookbooks and you're like, you ain't turned the stove on in six months. What do you need that cookbook for? I was at I digress. I was at CVS and the lady said, Who is the prescription for? And I said, Cash Roberts. And she said, What's his date of birth? And I said, I have no idea. (laughs) I said, give me a second, let me let me text my wife. I'm sitting in the drive to text my wife. Anyways, we have three little kids, and one of the things that our kids love to do, as, as your little kids probably did or you did, was we like to play hide and seek. Like we play hide and seek in the house, and the kids, you know, they'll say, hey, we're going to go hide, and, and daddy, you wait, and so I go in the playroom, and I count to 355,000 because they're still usually hiding in the playroom, and it's like, no, no, go hide. We have three stories. Like go hide somewhere else in the house, and they scurry around and, and cash our 2 year He really doesn't ever know what's going on. He just like hides behind something like this. I'm like, dude, I, I could see you right there, like go with your brother, and but the kids have gotten good, like Kat, uh, Hunter and Emmy, they're eight and four. They, they've gotten good at hiding. Uh, but, but I know our house up and down, so I, I find them very quickly. And then it's my time to hide, which means I get to scroll Instagram for about 30 minutes while they run through the house because they can't ever find me. And my wife's like, It's not fun for the kids, you're making it too difficult. One time recently, we were. I had the kids go hide, and Cash, I found him immediately, so I had him, and we're going through the house, and I found Hunter. He was behind some curtains, and I couldn't find Emmy, our three-year-old girl. I couldn't find Emmy, and I'm like, Emmy, Emmy, and I'm telling Hunter, you know where she's at. Tell me where she's at. He's like, "Nope, I'm not telling you. You're going to have to find her. I tore the whole house apart, only to find that he had put her in the dryer, And I opened the laundry room, and guess what? Her little face was right up against the glass. Like, let me out, let me out. (laughs) True story. That's when you have one of those talks with your son. Like, if you ever do that again, you're done. (laughs) The thing about hide and seek for me is the kids... They can't find me a lot of times and so they give up and my wife starts screaming, just come out. They want to hide again. What is she saying? You need to be in a place where they can seek and find you. I want to just tell you this, this Christmas season, let me remind you, this is about you seeking him again. For some of us, we got tired of playing hide and seek because it wasn't any fun anymore. And I want to tell you, this is a time for us to return to the thought and the idea of He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And, and, and I want to seek Him first and foremost. I want to seek Him. I was talking with a group of pastors recently, and we were talking about how we need to make sure that our church, is, and the, co- the global church, capital C, the global church has gotten content with when we come together, we want the hand of God, but we're tired of seeking the face of God. A lot of churches have gotten to the place where it's like, Lord, we need something from you. And what I believe is he wants to inhabit churches who just want him. This last year, we had four encounter nights where we just gathered together. The worship team did an amazing job, and we had some guest ministers, and we prayed. And the whole purpose was, Lord, we don't want anything from you. We just want you because we know that when you show up, all the stuff we need comes with you. I want to encourage you in this season, make sure that you're reflecting on who he is and going back to seeking him. These men, I'll say it again, they weren't on a journey looking for something. They were looking for someone. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, for you will seek me, you, and you will find me. when you seek me with your whole heart. I think that's God's prayer for us. Would you play with me? Would you come hide? Would you come do this? Would you come seek me? Because I'm not as hidden as you think I am. And when you find me, everything that you have need of, all those questions or concerns, they're going to be answered. The Apostle Paul, he said, my desire is I want to know Christ. In the power of his resurrection. Above all things, I just want to get to know him because I, once I know him, I know what God did in him for me, and then I can have that operate in my life when we seek him. The desires, the hopes, the dreams, they all become fulfilled. So let me ask you a couple of questions here. In this Christmas season, are you still seeking him? Are you still striving to know Him, and are you still in pursuit of His face? For the last few years, I've been stuck in this scripture in my own life as your pastor. There's scriptures that stick out to me, and they just never go away. And that phrase that they said, they were on a pilgrimage to worship Him. And the Lord's been talking to me about that. Joshua, you're not on a pilgrimage anymore. You've gotten comfortable and over the season of the last couple of years, he's reminded me that my life needs to be a journey always pursuing him. And so I want to give you three things that he's given me um, for my own life, and I've given them to you today. In the scripture, it says, number one, that they came to pay homage. These wise men, they, they came to pay homage. Homage means to show respect or honor. And how do we show honor and respect? We do it with our words. When was the last time you told how, God how awesome he is? When was the last time you opened your mouth and declared his goodness over your life? Not what he's done for you, but who he is for you. For a lot of us, it's easy to, to thank him. I'm thankful for my family, thankful for my stuff, thank you for my friends, thank you for the food. We pray these prayers of thankfulness of what he's done, but what about a, an homage of our words in the season of who he is? That's why I love this song, he's the Waymaker. He's been that for me. It's easy for me to tell him, thank you for making a way because in that season, I didn't think there was a way. Lord, thank you for being the light bearer because it was dark in my life. Thank you for being those things to me. In this Christmas season, let me remind you, it's important that we as children of God and those that are on a journey to seek him, that we remind him with our words that we love him. Nobody can tell him that you love him for you be one thing for you to go see my wife in the cafe after service today and say, man, Pastor Josh really loves you. She'd say, well, thank you. That's kind of weird. No, no, no. He really loves you. He, He loves you so much. You know, he stayed with you for 10 years. Yeah, that's weird. She would say, I don't need you to tell me that. He's already told me that. For some of us, we we don't need him to hear about our adoration for him from somebody else or in a corporate environment. Man, it needs to happen in the morning when we get up. It needs to happen when we're driving to work, drinking coffee. It needs to happen when you're alone in the shower, when when you're lonely at night. Lord, thank you. I'm not in a dark place because you're the light bearer in my life. Thank you, Father, for who you are in me. And here's the thing, he's different to every one of us. I don't know about you, but There was a season in my life where I was really, really sick. And the doctor said, we don't know what's wrong with you. You should drop out of school and go see a specialist. I know God is my healer. And so I'm grateful to him that that he's the healer, that he's redeemed me. That's from me to him. I don't know about your body. Maybe you didn't have that experience. I know what it's like to be dead dead and broke. I know what it's like to be really, really broke. And at Christmas have zero, I know that he's been my provider. He's been Al Shaddai, not just enough. He's been more than enough in my life. Let me ask you, who has he been to you in the season? Because he needs your words. He needs your adoration. Let me ask you, would you take some time with your family over the next two weeks? Pay homage to the king. Open your mouth and declare the goodness of the Lord. Psalms 91 one two I love this. It says, I, everybody say I. I. Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. It says, I will say of the Lord. He's my refuge, he's my fortress, my God in whom I trust. In our church, there was a lady I'd say, you know, in, in him, and my God. And the ladies would say, my God. Like I grew up in a black church. We were the only white people there. And so we'd read scriptures like this and you'd say, and my God, they'd all yell back, my God. And I was like, why are they doing that? It was like they had an appreciation that it was personal to them. That's my God. Man, we need to get back to that in our lives. I'm grateful to worship with you guys on Sunday and during the week. But man, there's something about me. You're my God. And if you did nothing for nobody else, I know what you've done for me. If you've been nothing for anybody else, I want to give you my worship. And I declare with my words, I declare with my mouth. You are my refuge. You're my fortress. You're the strong tower. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you gave him your simple words in this Christmas season? Take some time with your kids. Let's pay homage with our words. The second thing the Lord's been talking to me about through the scripture said they, they were on a pilgrimage to worship him. To worship him. Worship means to show honor or reverence for his divinity. For him being a supernatural power in your life. What it means, he has something that you don't have. He's somebody that we could never be. He's the king. He's God's son sent to earth to save you and I. Humanity was restored because of him, a supernatural being, deity, God's son. Came down and gave his life for us. What do I have a response to do? Man, I'm going to worship him. Lord, without you, I I was just a sinner on my way to hell. I was just a bumbling bonehead in the dark stumbling my way through life. But because you sent Jesus, the king to earth, what's my response? My response is, I'm going to lift my hands and worship him. I'm going to lift my hands and worship him. And let me say this to you. It's easy to do it on Sunday mornings because we have such an amazing group of people. They're gifted, they're talented, they're called to lead us in worship. But what happens when we go home on Sunday afternoon and they're not here? I love it when she plays behind me because it makes it easier to preach. But you know, there's days that I preach in my shower without her. There's days that I preach without the worship team in my house. There's mornings that I get up and I don't feel like worshiping, but I just lift my voice, I lift my hands. Sometimes I get on my knees and I just say, Lord, I, you're the king. Thank you for calling me. My prayer lately has been, thank you for calling me. Thank you for equipping me. Thank you for never leaving me. Thank you for cheering me on. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that you gave to empower me. What am I doing? I'm worshiping him. They came on a pilgrimage to worship him. For many of us, we get this story wrong and we've been told this story wrong. They didn't come to meet a baby, they came to worship a king. This story actually takes place at least a year and a half, maybe two years later. This isn't the story that we depict in the the manger scene. The wise men coming, he wasn't in the manger. This is two years later. It says they were in the house. Mary had him in the arms. This was two years later. They were on a journey. Some people believed that it was two years to Bethlehem from where they were coming from in the, in the region of maybe Iraq or Arabia, somewhere over there. Two years to do what? Not to meet him, not to get a selfie. Can I get an autograph? No, no, no. They were there to worship the king, to give their life, to say you have something we need. We know who you are. Let me ask you this, do you know who he is? He's not a baby. He ain't dead. He's the king of kings sitting at the right hand of the father. The Bible says right now, he's interceding on your behalf. The king, let's, let's make sure this season we get back to worshiping him. Again, I, I, I have so much to worship him for. He's brought me forgiveness. He's given me hope. He's given me a future. He's given and extended to you mercy, love, power, and strength. Psalms 34, 8 says, open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Worship God if you want the best. For worship opens doors to all of his goodness. I want the goodness of God in my life. How do you get the goodness of God? Do you beg for it? No, you just worship him for who he is. The worship opens the doors for the goodness to flow in. This past Sunday, I was in Orlando preaching at some friends of our church, and it's a great church just like this. The Worship's bonkers, and people are going nuts. It's just the presence of God's in there. And I was sitting right over there. They put the pastoral staff over here, and during the first song, there was a lady sitting right over here where my friend King is sitting. And as soon as they started the music, man, she started jerking. I was like, "What's she doing?" And she was like wiggling all over the place. And here's the thing: she didn't have rhythm. If you want to wiggle, it's okay, but do it, you know, like to the beat. Watch my friend Kevin down here; he will direct you and out to go. Listen, the, she was not doing that, so it was distracting. I'm getting ready to preach. I'm standing over here, and I look over here, and she's—I mean, she's all over the place. Y'all ever watch Seinfeld? She looked like a lame dancing, you know was wild and the more I watched her the more aggravated I got and I kept thinking I wish one of these ushers would go over there and tell her like stop doing that you're embarrassing yourself I gotta be honest I was judging her and and, and it was annoying and it's what it wasn't and and, and I the Lord said you don't know what she's been through he said who are you to judge her she just loves me more than you do she's willing to embarrass herself on the front row because she came to worship me she's come a long way today josh to worship me you better shut your mouth i was sitting over there doing my white man clap you know most white people can't clap on beat you know i think we clap on the two and the four and the others they do it on the one and the three Listen, if you don't have rhythm, it's okay. But I want to tell you this. Man, there's a time where we got to go at another level in our worship. And we got to get to a place where if someone wiggling around bothers you, that shouldn't say anything about them. It should say about you. Second service, I came out to preach the second service. I looked over, she's there again, second service. This time she's taking her cowboy boots off. And she was dancing in her stockings. And I, the more I watched her, I got convicted. I thought, man, how much more free is she than I am? I'm worried about people thinking about, what am I doing? She doesn't care. She's here to worship the king. For us in this season, and I declare this over us as a church, 2023, we're going to take it up a notch in our worship. And I want to encourage you. Maybe you're one of those worshipers that does the half mast hand raise. Man, this is your season to go full extension and say, Lord, you can have it all. Maybe you're one that just does this. You just do the foot tap. Man, this is your season to go to half mass. I'm going to tell you something. I remember being with the... You're laughing because there's a lot of you that... I used to pastor at a tattoo shop and I remember I invite the tattoo guys to come to church and they thought it was Weird. I mean, they're all in leathers. There's a bunch of bikes out front, and we're singing, you know, our songs. They don't know nothing about it. And I was trying to encourage them. Like, you guys got to worship. You got to come in and hook up with us. And I remember one of the guys, he came in on a Sunday, and and he was in the back, and and I I watched him. He went from here to here. And then he went like this. (laughs) And he realized nobody's looking at him, and then he's like he was doing a shoulder press. And as soon as he got his hands up here, he just started bawling. Tears started streaming down his face. What happened? The goodness of God overwhelmed him. Your worship brings the goodness of God. I want to tell you this in this next season. I'm going to be a little bit more radical as your pastor. I I want I want to be a little bit more free. I've been in services where I felt like I should do a little dancing, but I was worried about what you think. I don't want you to be worried. I'm not worried about what you think. In this next season, for me, I'm going to be me. And I pray that it it encourages you to be a little bit more about you. Because here's the thing, when one person gets free, it makes another person free. And all of us get free. The presence of God shows up. And then miracles take place. Last year, I was was sitting on the front row over here during one of our encounter services. I think Pastor Paul Brady was here. And the worship team was doing their thing. And he got up and he was singing and, talking and the Lord told me right here, he said, get on your knees. And I was like, uh, I'm good. People are watching. I'm on the front row. And he said, not only get on your knees, I want you to lay down and put your arms out. I felt convicted. So I hit the ground right here and I put my knees down and I just laid down right here. And as soon as my face hit the floor, it was like something released in me. Like it was almost like the goodness of God overwhelming. I sat here and sobbed on this carpet for I don't know how long. But I can tell you this: when I got up, I was changed. Like something was released in me because I was I was giving Him my worship. I was concerned what y'all would think. Like, what are they going to think? The pastor laying down, once he taking a nap? I, I got to tell you this: moving into this new season, you got to shake off some folks around you. Maybe you're one that needs to get out of the aisle a little bit. Maybe He's asking you to get on your knees. Maybe He's asking you to whatever He's calling you to do, man. Listen. Your worship unlocks the presence for somebody else. The last thing, and I'm way over my time. I don't care, I'm having fun today. I want him done, I want you to understand that we we, we adore him with our words, we pay homage, we we live a life of worship, but then we, we need to bring him our gifts. It says they unloaded their gifts. Listen to this, it says they gave gold a gift worthy of a king. They gave frankincense. It was a perfume that they would burn during worship, a time of prayer, and then the last one was myrrh. It's a perfume that was actually used to help embalm bodies. They would put it on the dead people. Actually, it was a gift probably more suited for a funeral than a birth. But these gifts, the gold pointed to His majesty because He's king. Remember, they weren't coming to bring and meet a baby. This had been told for thousands of years that the Messiah would be born at this time. So they came ready. They brought gold for a king. They brought frankincense, which pointed to his deity. He is God. And they brought myrrh, which pointed to his humanity. It was a foreshadowing of what was to come that he would give his life for us. 1 Corinthians 7 says, each one of us have a gift from God. And in this season, it's very easy to be consumed with what are we going to get? Christmas time, right? My wife's texting me Christmas lists. I want this. I want this. The kids want these. These kids want this. And we got these lists. And every day the kids are freaking out because the elf might not come back tonight. They're concerned he's going to go tell Santa that they were bad. and that it... We're so consumed with what we're getting. I want to just tell you, this is about us giving the greatest response we give to a king is, hey, whatever we have, it's yours, whatever you need. Whatever we have, we got it from you anyway, so we return it. We say it this way here at IFC that, that we honor God in three ways with our time, our talent, and our treasure. I ask you in this Christmas season to examine all three areas and make some new resolutions, goals, whatever you want to call them for the new year, that this will be a year that, that this is a year of giving extravagantly, giving of our time. I'm so grateful for everybody that's on teams, all of our dream teams. There's over 30 dream teams here, and there's hundreds and hundreds of people that serve around the clock, morning, noon, and night. I was here on Saturday, there was dream teams here getting things ready for today. Listen, when you sow of your time, you're honoring the king. The ushers, the guest services, I'm so grateful for all of our kids' workers. I mean, they're giving of their time. They're, They're sacrificing being in here and worshiping with us so that there's a worship environment upstairs for your children. Talent, every one of us has talents, every one of us has gifts and abilities in this season. Let's make a commitment that we're going to leverage what He's given us for the gospel's sake next year and then our our treasure. Man, again, you guys have been so generous. This is radical generosity to give away $111,000 in a time of what some people would call famine, what the people are calling recession. I don't, I don't see it as recession for God's people. I see it as a setup for us. He wants to know, can I trust you with what I've given you? And if I can, there'll be more. And when everybody else is freaking out, we're going to be piling it up. For us, no, to give it away again. This next year, I pray that we'll be able to give away more and more. I have it in my heart. I'll just say it by faith. I don't know how long it'll take us, but I have a dream in my heart that we would give a million dollars away to missions every year. Locally nationally and around the world. That's my prayer. I don't know how long it'll take, but I'm asking the Lord, how much do you want us to give? What would you want us to give, Lord? You blessed us so much. And Steph and I are making a greater commitment next year to sow even more because guess what? He gave it to us. He can bring it back around. This Christmas, let's return to the journey that many of us started seeking long ago, and that's seeking Jesus. Don't settle for physical presence when you can have his literal presence. I wrote this for you, and then I'll close. As you set out your manger scene this Christmas and you place the wise men in it, may you be reminded of their desire to worship the king. And may you be reminded that Christmas is about our personal worship and offerings to the king. Would you bow your heads with me? I'd love to take just a moment and pray. Because maybe you're here today and you don't know that Jesus that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Son of God. He was sent to the earth for 33 years to live a great life as an example for me and you to pattern ours after. Only to sacrifice himself at the end so that me and you could have a relationship with God the Father. The Bible says that as his blood was poured out, it it covered our sins sins of our past, the sins of the present and any future sins the Bible says if we call on him and we we believe in him and we declare him with our mouth and we believe him in our heart that, that our lives are changed in a moment and that we're saved the greatest gift you could give yourself is accepting Christ knowing that you're free, knowing that you have a purpose, knowing that you have a destiny and knowing that you have an eternal home what is that? that's hope hope in a dark world. Maybe you're here in the auditorium or you're watching us online and you've never asked Jesus into your heart. You've never declared him as your Lord. You've never declared him as your King. Love to extend that opportunity to you right now. Would you just wave your hand at me? I want to pray for you. I won't ask you to come down front. Yes, sir. I see you right there. Just want to pray for you. I want, to, Pastor, include me in that prayer. Just wave your hand at me and say, I want, I want prayer today. Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. I need a fresh start. Maybe you're watching online. Just let us know. Our team in there on the chat box right there. Just say, hey, I need prayer. They're going to pray with you right there. I see you in the back over here. Anybody else want to join these brave people and say, today's my day. I'm tired of running. I'm ready. Yes, sir. I got you, buddy. Anybody else want to join this brave man? Yes, I see you over here. Pray for me. Include me in that prayer coming home today. All across this auditorium and those watching online, I see, got you right over here. Let's just pray this out of our hearts. Say, dear Heavenly Father, we believe in Jesus. Thank you for sending your Son to die for us, to save us. Today we choose Him to be our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you make some noise for all those that prayed that prayer today?